Welcome to episode 305 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, welcome along to episode 305 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm sensational. And you, Bevan? Well, it's nice and early because John rings me last night and he goes, how are you feeling about tomorrow morning? I said, well, <laughs> feeling pretty good. Looking forward to our sleeping, come to the show after about nine o'clock. He goes, no. What'd you say, John? I said, well, we had, we, had, we had two issues. Firstly, daylight savings happened over here at the weekend, so all my scheduling was, was askew by an hour. And then secondly... Did you stuff that up, had you? Yes, I'll accept that one. <laughs> but then secondly, I emailed uh, today's guest on the show and said, oh, look, I stuffed up my timing. And he goes, oh, well, I'm actually, uh, I was actually going to email you. I'm actually flying home and I needed to change the time anyway or reschedule. And I said, well, hey, hang on a minute. We can We're committed the to the cause. We're committed to the cause. We'll interview you at 5.45 in the morning, New Zealand time. So we are committed to you guys. We're committed to the listener, John. I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com. Get the tasty, tasty, tastiness. That's what we need right about now. Tell me about Extreme it. endurance. Get the fast speed. And athlinks.com. Get the legendary status that you tell everyone how great you are. Okay, guys, in this week's show, what we've got coming up, I've got a bit of problem with my show notes. Okay, well, we've got a bit of news. We've got a discussion of the week. We have an age group of the week. We've got sent through two people. Two people saw. Yes. Yeah, it's quite nice. From two different races. Was same, it? same race. Oh, it was the same yeah. race. Okay. And then we have an interview with Hunter Allen. Mm, the paraguru himself is back on the show and he's going to talk about a little bit about some STC, STSS, I should say, yeah. and other great things. STC. Yeah, that's going to be a new one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stress of training control oh, I see, see we, there you go Hunter that's your next task um, so anyway news so first of all we've got some news and last weekend there was a big race happening because Lance Armstrong was racing again and we we're all fascinated to see would he dominate the dojo at the Galveston 70.3 and it was the North American Championships and Memorial Herman and the US Championships as well so is it, yeah. is it North American or the maybe, US maybe it was US maybe yeah. I was wrong because um, I saw Tim McDonald saying he loved the fact he was a US champ Tim O'Donnell him too yeah <laughs> and I'm sharp today. Uh, it's early, guys. It's early. Uh, last week I predicted. I said, you know, Lance Armstrong came out on fire in that first race. My gut feeling was he wasn't going to perform quite as well. And my, and my rationale sort of behind that was I felt that Panama he performed exceedingly well, but I also felt that a lot of the other guys didn't necessarily perform quite as well as they might have otherwise. You know, guys like uh, Rasmussen and stuff didn't didn't really fire. So I was right. I was well, right. Well, if you listen, to, if you actually read up on Lance. You know, Panama was a very up and down course. It was a lot more challenging, which suited his riding style. Whereas Texas was just a flat course, and he realised pretty early on the bike they were just going to sit on his tail and use him as a bit of a draft. So he kind of set up and put kind of early on, he didn't be as aggressive as he could have been, and he did have GI problems. Yes. So, so uh, your predictions, while they're well, correct, correct, they don't come from the right place. There's, there's no asterisks there, they're just correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Tim, Tim O'Donnell, you know, he's one of the dominant uh, 70.3 races. He came through for a, a late victory. He ran his way to victory, uh, overtaking Sebastian Kiln um, late in the day. Pretty good fight too, apparently. Apparently Tim was dying, but he just pushed on through and it was a really good race. And Ronnie Shilnick was, uh, was pretty close third there as as well so he was uh, winning time was 23 minutes swim 207 on the bike and 114 on the run for a 347 
23 seconds back was Sebastian Kiln, and then uh, about a minute back uh, was Ronnie Shilnick with Michael Raylert, who apparently had a cold yeah, going sick. into the race, yeah. uh, faded a bit on the bike, but still came came back pretty strong and finished in fourth place. Um, they've gotten the results here that I pulled off uh, the athlete trackers, Lance Armstrong in sixth place, but... If you actually watch the footage, he's actually seventh because it's quite funny. He's coming down the finishing chute and the little bit they've had filmed uh, was only probably the last 30 metres and he was sort of just jogging and he'd obviously exploded yep. and was just doing high fives with people coming down the finishing chute. And the guy, Jordan Jones, uh, not even in the picture, and literally Lance Armstrong is probably... 10 metres from the line and he comes sprinting around the corner and Lance Armstrong's about to sort of basically walks across the finish line and this guy sprints past him and he basically finishes within a millisecond of him and just goes across the line So officially it was actually Jordan Jones who got Six. I'm 99% sure he's officially this This is probably the live tracking results yeah, but yeah. when the official results come out he did pip him on the line and Lance Armstrong didn't even he just kept on walking didn't even acknowledge it just kept on walking oh really and uh, I don't know what would you do in that situation Bevan get somebody in front of you is clearly um, just cruising in and it's a race it's the finish line it's the finish line yeah yeah, mate okay. and it's money you're a pro athlete I'd be sprinting I wonder if it is almost money actually because I know when we looked at Ironman Melbourne last week that only paid it's like eight. seven maybe it was eight yeah. yeah I wonder how deep this paid and whether that was the difference between getting prize money or not when you think a US championship it probably would pay more eight. than fifth yeah yeah so but Yes, definitely would be extra prize money in the pocket. You can't blame the guy. You can't blame Jordan. Not at all. No, not at all. You know, it's like Lance decided to ease up, you know. So yeah. yeah. So um, so thoughts? Great great swim by Lance Armstrong. Is this going to be yeah. your Lance Armstrong season? No, I've actually week? got um, this weekend Lance coming up. Okay. Yeah. I thought another great swim. I was, I'm a bit surprised that it, A, he didn't go for it on the bike or B, whether he, whether he couldn't. Um, but uh, I yeah, the fact that he came out of the water in the top pack, front pack, that mm. really is a good sign for his, you know, Kona race, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I would have expected him to still be able to ride away from those guys um, and still yeah, put even a good on a flat course, eh? Yeah. So a little bit surprised by that, but I guess he's still just feeling things out. That's what he's sort of saying. Uh, it's kind of nice to see that somebody like him. It's still dealing with the same um, issues that so many of us have to deal with with GI issues, and and really trying to he's trying to figure that one out, and he hasn't hasn't nailed it yet. So he really struggled on the run. Um, so I think, to be honest, as long as if he gets his GI issues sorted, I think his iron distance racing will he'll perform better at iron distance than he will at half because uh, you know he's yeah. he clearly is not can't run super fast. He can run. Yeah, relatively yeah. speaking, comparison to his competition. Um, whereas I think you know, providing he doesn't cramp and doesn't have GI issues, I think he'll be able to pull out a, a good, steady marathon, which is what he'll need to do to to be extremely competitive in Kona. Mm. So, and, and bike obviously will be pretty strong in Kona. Yeah, the other thing I was really impressed with was Kelly Williamson, who won I the know. girls' race, um, smoked it by over five minutes, a one eighteen run. And when we look at the top ten men's results, you know, Tim O'Donnell ran one fourteen, but you know, a lot of the other guys are one, you know, one twenty one by Marine. No, um, he obviously was only a ninth, so he didn't have a great run, but still to only be a few minutes off many of the, the, the top guys, you know, 10th place Axel Zeebrook was a 118, 
great race, and she just decimated the girls. Now, I read a little bit. I, to be honest, I don't know much about Kelly Wilson. Tell me a bit about her, because I read that she's been having a great year. Yeah, well, she's had it. She's she's she uh, she's doing great in some seventy point threes last year in Kona. She uh, I think she's about thirteenth or something. But she's an exceptional swimmer. From memory, I think she led out of the water in Kona last year as well. So she's clearly got the swim run combo sorted. Just getting uh, the bike a bit sharp. If she can get her bike sharper, geez, you know who knows what she could do. But you know when you look down at Caitlin Snow, who's you know she's on par with Miranda Carfrey. You know yep. she often finishes further down the field because she's a, a not a very good swimmer and um, she's okay on the bike. But she you know she's running. I think she ran like a two fifty. Yep. Five or something like that, um, and she put three minutes into someone like her. She might not have had her greatest day, but still, um, one eighteen is is very impressive. Do we um? Do, should the Americans start to get a bit excited? They've actually got some athletes who are kind of you know up there. Well, we, in terms of females, they're they're always not. They've always got girls who are there or thereabouts in the females. The guys, you know, Tim O'Donnell. We, we were talking him up last year. We interviewed him. Yeah, um, nice and guy he, too. And he performed in in Ironman Texas, so I think they could be getting excited about him. Whether he can transfer that across the cone, whether those conditions suit him or not, he should always be there out of the swim. He's a good swimmer, and um, and just really will depend on how he can handle himself across the the heat. I wonder how much more money it's worth to be an American to win Kona. So if you think about, you know, Melina always says how there is a value financially ongoing of being a Kona winner, you know, and, and, you know, as the sport gets more popular, that's going to be more the case. And so, you know, you might see someone like, you know, Stadler winning Kona in Germany is going to be a massive opportunity to earn some coin. But O'Donnell, if he could come and win Kona this year, does he earn a lot more earning power because he's based in America where, you know, potentially so much more money to make? Well, I think you look at... um Crowey and Macca and where do they go and base themselves? America. Yeah, yep. the, the, the endorsements those guys get is and to be an American massive. athlete based, you know, to win yeah. it would be that'd be huge. And but also obviously personality. Like I'm sure Macca makes a lot more money than anyone else just because he knows how to play the game role on the media side. So mm. very interesting. Ocean Oceanside we had and uh, Potts and McQuaid took it out. Looked like pretty terrible conditions. But Andy Potts is uh, a few times, isn't he? I think I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah. yeah, traditional sort of season opening race for them down there, and uh, we should have probably had. Look and see how the old albinator went. Didn't have a look, but we'll check that later. Maybe he got second to Potts. Yes. Did you not see that? No. I, was, I thought we were going to lead with it. Uh. Uh, we had the lead man one two five happening there. It's a two point five k swim, hundred nine k bike, and then a thirteen k run. But she had an easy run swim bike run, is it? No, it's not. And, and this is part of the lead man series, which is now mm. sponsored by Lifetime Fitness, and they were the ones behind the ITU a distance big big payday race that used to be on I don't they're not they're still not involved it's now the high V race they're still involved in the series but they're obviously getting on on the back of this and we had uh, Mark Twelsick take it out and Angela Neath um, pretty good prize money you know, it was a thirty thousand dollar prize pool six thousand eight hundred for first so for a half well what's roughly a half distance race um, that's that's pretty good uh, four hours forty four took him to do uh, as Bevan said a two point five k swim one hundred nine k bike and a thirteen k run so you're looking at more or less a half iron distance race and it took them 4 hours 44 versus 3 hours 54 for the guys that did Texas so big difference there um, so obviously extremely difficult course uh, the 13k run went up the River Mountain Trail to Boulder City but, but we talked about Leadman last year and, and their race that they had last year was their, what they call their 250 distance and that's a 5k swim, 223k bike and 22k run so that's on again this year they're having it at, um, in Bend in Oregon and 
it's going to be interesting to see where this series goes. They're obviously, you know, we've got all these different series coming on board and they're trying to find a point of difference. The point of difference for the lead man races is they're going to be extremely difficult. So you're never going to go there um, to get a fast time, but they're going to use cool, challenging courses and uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that takes people's imagination. And, and to be honest, when we think about the rest of the season and the calendars, we tend to have iconic races that sit in this kind of, this area of the market you know you get the, the Norsemans and those types of races but we haven't necessarily got a series so it'll be interesting to see if they develop a series because I know that a lot of you know especially more experienced athletes who have been around for a while they kind of seek that kind of crazy challenge race so if they could put on a good series it could be really interesting ongoing eh? yeah no I'm interested to see how it goes and, and you know as I said, thirty grand. I don't know what the prize money is like for the for the long course one. And I know last year they had very very few people doing it, um, but it was in a different location. So I think it was in Vegas last year. So maybe this new location might suit a little bit better. Um, did you did you see the numbers on this one? Were there many doing no, it? No, I didn't. No, okay. I didn't. Nice. Good so work. Good work. great piece. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but if you want to find out more about Leadman Triathlon, I go leadmantri dot com. It's obviously based off the Leadman mountain biking race and the Leadman uh, ultra marathon. And uh, so check it out and let us know what you think about it if you if you do it. Torsten from uh, from Tri Rating sent through a great document that he did post. Ironman Melbourne and it's basically talking about the different performances based on where the statistics say you should be and where they should be and it was really fascinating some of the stuff he came up with eh? I guess it's always hard and, and when he's trying to predict times for a first year race you've got nothing to work off so yeah. you're really working off uh, athlete performances at other races so I guess next year this data will become um, more relevant and it'll be interesting to see how if you don't have say the likes of Crowy Racing how the times are going to be predicted and so on I guess with that course being a point to point run and the swim being a sea swim um, conditions are going to play a big part in terms of how fast people go Well also you know Matthew Bin sent through that kind of wrap up of the race and he was saying how you know like the fact there was no run on the um and no wind on the run was pretty phenomenal really and so this may be the fastest year forever or for a very long time if typical weather conditions come up so it'll be interesting to see and what was interesting that i didn't realize and i don't think we discussed uh last week was caroline stephan's bike split is apparently the fastest female bike split ever which is pretty staggering well 435 and considering uh, from the couple of reports i had it was 5k long as well yeah, wow. So she obviously clearly got benefit out of riding with the um, with the sort of second uh, male pack, but still, you still got to ride. You still, I've ridden packs, but you still got to turn the pedals over pretty hard. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Well, so a few things came out of his, his analysis. Cam Brown's race was his best race based on statistical analysis by a country mile ever. Mm. Also, was Joe Lawn was the case. Mm -hmm. He was saying that Crowe's effort was pretty much on par of what he did with Kona. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Oh, did you not read this? I, I skim read it. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to sound interested. I'm trying to pretend I'm the listener. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was good. It was just, it was also saying that while Winnie didn't go terribly well, she was kind of better than last year New Zealand performance, and he thinks it's not going to be too. You know, she's still looking on a track for Kona. One so. other, one other article I read relating to Melbourne um, that I skim again skim read yeah, um, two was words. on uh, on SlowTwitch.com. There's an interview there with. Uh, uh, Caroline and also with Brett Sutton and uh, they were sort of asking a few questions you know how, how do you turn it around from doing you know Abu Dhabi um, was it a week or maybe yeah, two one, one or two weeks before and then turn it around and, and, and not be dominant there and then to be so dominant she was really saying well I'd, 
you know, I had a plan in Abu Dhabi and I stuck to my plan and, and, and I had a great race, but a great race doesn't necessarily mean you I went to, went, or went to the limit. Um, that was part of the process. And another thing, interesting thing, and again, I only skim read it, was Brett Sutton, at one point he wrote down, you know, these days in Kona, it's, it seems to be that the weather patterns have almost changed and it's it, and, and we've found this as well, it's almost abnormal that you get severe weather conditions now because I went, I've been across in 2005 when I raced and I don't recall <coughs> since then there being a, 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 a difficult windy year. The only last time it was the year I did it. Yeah, and that was <laughs> 2004. year 2004, yeah, yeah. But we've been... Yeah, it's, you're right, isn't it, really? If you go back in the last eight years then, mm. have we had... I've, you know, 2004 was definitely, you know, an epic day. Mm. But other than that, we haven't really had... Well, we've been the last two years. And I've uh, both been pretty fast days. Very calm conditions on the bike. Still windy, relative to any other Ironman, but not that full-on wind. So that's really going to start to play into the hands a bit more, well, take away a bit of that advantage some of the bikers have had. You know, if, if it's a windy, really windy conditions this year, guys like Lance Armstrong can go out there and absolutely crush people because the weaker cyclists, whilst there'll still be a group and there'll be a pace line going on, they're going to have to work a lot harder. So yeah. that's going to be really interesting if that is a stat. I mean, that's like looking at the moons and stuff. People, Some people believe that, some people don't. But um, I look at the moons every night, John. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's just going to be interesting to that because it does have a big impact on the race. We did get sent through some photos from Ironman Melbourne with some drafting happening. Yes. And there's some pretty amazing drafting. And we actually know one listener who was in one of those packs. We're not going to name names, are we, John? No. But, but uh, I, I did get some. Uh, John pointed else. them out. John emailed me back. That's so and so. And I'm like, <laughs> back it up. And, it's, and they weren't just drafting, they were like kissing the wheel of the person in front of them. So this is, yeah, there was a PDF file that went around and, uh, and I got it twice. And. Uh, it is full on drafting. And I think what was interesting about it is like often when you see those big races and you see drafting, but there's literally like a line of people K's and K's long. And mm. so it's kind of unavoidable. Whereas in these photos, it looked really like pack riding, didn't it? And there was a gap between the next pack and. and, and, and but one, there's not really an excuse for this, <laughs> but one slight excuse is a guy pointed out to me. It, it was at the bottom of a climb. Sure. Um, and yeah. when, when when you hit that, if you're in a, if you're in a pace line, and granted they would yeah. not have been at a legal distance, it does, as soon as you hit the hill, and especially if people are riding power, all of a sudden it's always going to compress really, really quickly. Um, but that's still not an ex- a good excuse for it. But the, the packs, it was, it was pretty... Pretty bad. Like we are talking here. Yeah, you know, it, it was cycle racing. It, it was basically mm. a, you know a fifty centimeter gap between wheels. It was uh, it was bad. And the ca- again, the camera lens does sometimes make it look closer than what they are. Yeah, okay, not, so not, that, not that, some that, people. <laughs> that fifty centimeters might have been expanded to seventy five centimeters, maybe a hundred centimeters. No, the, I saw the wheels were actually touching. So it was uh, it was. I've never seen anything like it. You know it. who you are. You yeah. know who you are. And. In the, if it's a narrow road, you know, sometimes if it's a narrow road and stuff, there's, you, there's certain senses where it's it's really hard not to draft. But in these pictures, you know, you had plenty of space on the road. There was no traffic to, to, to deal with. Um, yeah, and the, 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 thing, the, funny, the funny thing about these photos was that it wasn't huge numbers. That's the thing. Like, if, if, it, if it opened up the file and you just saw thousands of people everywhere, like, you know, when you do Kona, mm. when I did my first Kona, I was, a, I think, at a 10 and a half, I can't remember what I did in Kona, but... You know, I was kind of, and I had a really bad swim, so I came out in the chunk of the field. You know, mm. most of my I mean, I came out in the top. Most of the roads you could easily pretty much ride by yourself. It was impossible not to do some drafting in those situations because there were just mm. riders everywhere. Whereas with this, these photos we saw the other day, it wasn't like that. It was, yeah. it was pure cheating. Sorted oh. out, team. Sorted out. But obviously, people don't give a crap about no. drafting because Ironman Melbourne sold out in four minutes. 
And this is another reason why my system should be instigated. I, I laughed when I opened the show notes this morning. I'm in Melbourne, sells out in four minutes. Another reason why John's system should be around. Because this is not a championship race. This is first uh, of the people basically able to pull the trigger as quick as they can. Great, we might have another awesome um, pro field there, and I, and I hope we do because it's been fantastic to talk about and watch. But it is not a championship age group race when the best people don't have the opportunity to go head to head. And if people are out there that are, that are, that are first-timers or, or slower athletes are going, oh, but we want to have a chance, well, this, if it's going to be a championship race, it should be the best people racing, um, and then the rest of the field Do is Do they sell the out. fact that if you win Ironman Melbourne as a age grouper that you are the Asia-specific champ? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they can, and hopefully they don't. No, because, because the other thing is as well, let's, let's say you want to do Kona. Let's say this year, you know, you know if you're a top dude, Melbourne or Kona? You're going to say Kona, aren't you? Generally yeah. speaking. So let's say you do what? What would be a race that you qualified maybe in October for? That you'd do Melbourne or, or maybe November. I mean Western Australia. Yeah. Okay, so you do I mean Western Australia, and you know then you can either go to Kona next year or Melbourne early year. Would you just go back to Melbourne and go to Kona? Uh, well, if it's from a coaching perspective, I'd say yes. You try to, you should, you should try to do that if you want to have the optimal performance in in Kona. But at the same time, so, it, so is Melbourne even if even if you did have a system where, you know, John's system from last week, even if you did have that in place, maybe those top guys from all those other races would go bugger. I want to go to Kona. But if you have my system in place, it's going to be extremely difficult to qualify in Western Australia because to get to Kona, you mean to get to Kona because yeah. there's only going to be one one slot per age group so I, I think it would be nice for, for the age groupers to say you know I am a fairly legitimate Asia Pacific Championship a champion or I'm a fairly then legitimate based on your system all the best guys aren't going to turn up to it well they've, they've got to choose what, what they want right? <laughs> they've got to choose we've got to push people towards the races so that they get a championship system sort of feel so I'm disappointed about it four minutes you'd be gutted if you're trying to get to the race eh? oh I had somebody email me like it a couple of hours later, oh, so I'm sort of thinking about Melbourne, I'm sort of <laughs> entering for this year, and um, what do you think? Is that going to fit into the plan? And I said, well, you're too late, so forget about <laughs> yeah. it. You're out. Yeah. Do they have a backup? They must have, they must have a list, or what happens there? Like, people do pull out. Well, no, they, uh, all, all events um, will always, uh, that, that they know they're going to sell out, they're always going to have a, 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 a percentage that they know will drop out, or highly likely. Yep. So they might go, well, we're going to open up, Two and a half thousand entries, really only going to have space for say two thousand three hundred, and we know there'll be an attrition of roughly. Oh, so they actually sign up first and then just hope that drop off. It's a bit like overbooking a, a airline flight. Yeah, had that happen. Oh, OMG, <laughs> legends of triathlon, guys. We had I to hate OMG. <laughs> you hate everything pop culture. You, you hate what? Do you, what was that one you really hate? My bad. Yeah. What's, what's another one you hate? Uh, Your LOL. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, pretty you, bad. you know what you're showing? You're showing your age. That's okay. I've got a few. I'm, I'm going to be. Uh, blind, what's she start calling me? The uh, the silver fox. Silver fox. Nice. Starting to come through. Would you rather be a silver fox or bald? Silver fox. Really? Yeah. Okay. Love you all, you bald people though. Well, I'm going to go bald. I'm starting to receive a little bit front, but oh well. Can't yeah. do much about it. Well, you probably can nowadays. Keep can't the you? mullet going. Get the mullet back. Get the mullet really back. mullet and bald up top. The mullet and bald. That's what I'm going for, John. That's the look. Chicks yeah. love that stuff. They Seriously, do. mate. See how you pick up. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this week we have on Legends, or this month on Legends of Triathlon, and we released the show on April Fools. How did you do on April Fools? I was trying to get Thomas to do things. Oh, but, did you? Um, I got yeah, Joe a good one. Yeah. What did you do? I go, oh, did I tell you, John wants to quit Iron Talk? And she goes, 
what? And I said, oh, did I not tell you? She goes, what do you mean? And I said, oh, you know, he just said that other things are going other ways and he hasn't really got time to commit to the show. And I said, I was really surprised because, you know, it seemed to be all going really well and stuff. But she's like, really? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I got it for like 10 minutes. And then, and you know, when you know you're kind of having someone on you and you try not to laugh. Yeah. And I thought I was giving it away by a country mile, but I got it. I got a good. Nice. So, so we're not going, guys. We are around yeah. forever. But Legends of Triathlon, this month we have Greg Welsh on and great interview eh? yes very very uh, entertaining and he was uh, I think we might have just said last week you know the Greg Welsh trophy was unveiled for for Ironman uh, Melbourne which is uh, which is cool he was a legend of sport and a lot of you guys now you know will watch him on Ironman.com and you'll have obviously broadcasters people have different opinions on whether they like him or dislike him I think he does a good job yeah so do I um but as an athlete, and, and I saw because I was around in that sort of the time, he was uh, he was very impressive. Mm. An interesting story to the end of his career was so go to legendsoftriathlon.com and you can get their show there, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe to it. It's the easiest way to get it. The other thing I do want to say is that there's a wetsuit auction that goes with the Legends show. Um, Blue Seven to give us a free wetsuit to auction off, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, and it always goes stupidly cheap. So if you are looking to get a wetsuit right now, what kind of wetsuit is it? It's a Helix. Nice. So top of the line. Right. And uh, so you go to our Legends of Triathlon website, www.legendsoftriathlon.com, and you can get the wetsuit right there. Just one other quick thing, my Fitness Behaviour podcast I've released. I don't necessarily always plug it on this show, but this month I've got a, uh, a podcast that I actually think will be really valuable for a lot of athletes. So if you want to listen to that, go to Bevan James Isles. Dot com and get there. It's, it's around process challenge. So you know. And do us a favour is help us to expand these sh- these shows out there and tell friends and stuff about them because uh, yeah we th- I really think our legends show is gonna it's it's awesome you know it's really yeah, man even if you look at what stuff. we've got to this point yeah you know like it's you know someone who maybe doesn't know much about the sport you can listen to that and go get mm. a bit of an idea of the history eh mm. John Excellent. yes this week in Lance oh yes this week in Lance this week in Lance because we've got to keep Lance. Now, wait a second, I need to make this a little bit bigger. How do do oh, okay, but small. The text is a bit small, is it? Well, no, it's, it's ultra small. <laughs> it's like Mighty Mouse small. Oh, no. Okay, well, this one came through from Rory Spicer, and he's saying Lance tweeted back after this weekend's race, and he says something. Oh, I can't even see it, John. You, you're talking a little bit about this weekend, Lance. I'm going to pull up on the web email. So, yeah, the story of his race, great swim. Standard bike, said he sat, apparently he was riding along and he uh, and he was at the front and he just sat up and just sat on the back and then just let everybody ride past and just sat on the back of the back of the group and it sounded like he had uh, first couple of laps of run he was sort of holding on quite nicely and he was looking like a you know maybe top three top five and then he exploded. That was a good fill in. Okay, Lance Armstrong <clears throat> at Rasmus Henning, which means on Twitter mm. that you're actually going straight at them, John. Mm. In your face. He's got any comment on the joke doping controls? Question mark. <laughs> just uh, and Lance is putting a bit of smack out there what's your thoughts on that John well, uh, my, my personal thoughts is I, I agree that they should be doing random testing um, but I would like to see always see the top three get, get tested and then random um, Tim Henning had, below a, that. Yeah. had a good piece on that in the sun this week I couldn't open that link I, I did click on that link he did, and, he did, and, and he actually used us as a source John did he? I, yeah. don't, I didn't open that see the sun you've, this link is broken yeah. so that was a say? good piece actually well he was just kind of saying that what the heck why aren't they having the top three always tested because when Andrew was on the show he's saying hey we do random you know and that doesn't mean if you win it you get tested kind of thing mm. you know that's our system and he's kind of going well back it up if you win a race if you're top three you should always know that you're going to get tested. Kind of, it was the wrap-up of it. Was, it was a good piece, and he kind of had Chrissy's view on it, and it was very good. Well, I would agree with that. In most circumstances, in a, in a 70.3, 
well, it's bloody expensive. I don't know the exact numbers to testing, but I just know that it's expensive, and um, and we perhaps should find out exactly what the cost is per test. But it's a lot. Yeah, um, but if you're going to get testing done, surely the winners. Mm. Mm. But you need that randomness as well, as Andrew pointed out. So I think, uh, um, but you can't, yeah, it's a bit unfair if all of a sudden if you go, oh, Lance is doing this race, we've got to put in more testing. No, it has to be, no but, I, but, to, but I think that's the point, is it more consistently across all, mm. you know, whatever. Well, the testing that they need to do that's going to be effective is not necessarily the race testing, because if you get busted at a race, you're an absolute mug. The testing that works is it's, the out of, test, out of competition testing. And uh, how much of that they do? I can't comment. Do you know what? Lance should have been a better person. Yeah. That's my view. I agree. You know, just let it go, Lance. Yeah. You know, you, know, you've, you don't really want to bring more attention to your drug life. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just saying, just saying, just saying. Bevan, I've been putting in the, the hard yards for the team. Have you? Done Good. a quick interview here with, uh, with you don't Sandy. You want to the show? It's not the end. <laughs> no. <laughs> quick interview with Sandy from Extreme Endurance. Oh, I love your work. Okay, I'm going to put that in right now. Wait a second, let me pause so I know where it goes. Here we go. Here's Sandy from Extreme Endurance. Right, we've got uh, Sandy Callan back on the show today from Extreme Endurance to talk about a few of the, the different products. Bevan and I often um, stumble our way through talking about some of the products, but Sandy's the man in the nose. So welcome back to the show, Sandy. Well, John, thank you. It's nice to be back. So Bevan and I, you know, we, we've discussed Extreme Endurance over, over the years in terms of the benefits of that, but um, Execute, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a new product to market. So can you just explain to us the what you're really trying to achieve with the execute um, the execute drink yeah John we you know built this drink with thinking that would be a drink that we would take you could take either before a workout or use it as recovery because of the protein involved in it and the more we've been uh, using it and uh, having athletes use it we find that it really is a great uh, drink to to consume before you work out like an hour or an hour and a half before and the reason is is that we have a gram and a half of lactate in there. And lactate is a great fuel source, energy source, that the body uses many times instead of glycogen because it's so readily available and can be used so quickly. And so having a gram and a half of that in your blood, in your system, before you work out gives you that great energy and you, you, you'll feel it, absolutely feel it. And the idea of taking protein Post-exercise is a great thing, too, but since we have what we call whey protein isolate in this, which is the most bioavailable protein, in other words, you virtually absorb every gram, by putting this in your system before you work out, it's already in your blood to work as an energy source and also the protein side of it to prepare the damaged muscle tissue that takes on during the, your workout. So I have to be honest. Honest with you, I've, I've been using it before workouts, and it's it's great. And everybody who's been doing that has been really excited about it. We we've found that if you just mix it with just a three or four ounces of water, it's just a you know like a little shot of of protein and 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 uh, lactate, and it's easy to take. It's very you know doesn't bother your stomach, and it's 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 great. It's we're actually getting better results from it than we had thought, and we're pretty excited about it. So I guess some people might be confused in terms of, you know, people probably use the term lactate and they're obviously trying to avoid lactic, the lactic acid buildup. But you're saying that actually by taking, um, you know, the, the execute, you're, you're boosting your lactate. So that's actually a beneficial thing? Yeah, John, that's, that's really a great, great question. Yeah, <laughs> as most of us, I mean, when, you know, that have been around sports most of our life, have always heard that lactic acid is bad. 
And what we did with extreme endurance is that we were able to uh, buffer that hydrogen ion, that ion that attaches to lactate, and we're able to buffer that. And so that has been a huge benefit of that product, and, and people you've heard people talk about it for years now. But lactate itself is a great fuel source. And lactate is, is almost, in, in exercise, I mean, the, the heart just uses it because it's just so readily available. And like I said, it's used more more easily, and the body uses it at fuel more quickly than glycogen in most cases. So lactate's a great energy source. And so by adding a gram and a half into this product, we actually raise the lactic, the lactic, the energy source in the blood, so it becomes uh, allows you to do more. And it, it's it's pretty special. And, and I have to be honest with you, uh, the more we use it, and the more we hear, you know, have people use it, and our athletes use it, the more comments we get are just fantastic. It's really good. Hi, Will, um, Hi, Will Davis, when he set that world's record, the 100K row in, in UK, uh, the first of the month, I was back there with him, and he was taking that drink all along during his row, and he's absolutely in love with it, just thinks it's the best thing in the world. And uh, by the way, I have to tell you, I Am Talk is well-received in, in, in the UK. Those people came by our booth when they were there, uh, they spoke highly of your of your program. Love both you guys, and uh, nice. yeah, it's we were a big hit back there. I got to tell you, because of you folks, yeah. So I know when Execute first came out, it was just available in, in North America, but you you now got a distributor in the UK who can get it um, throughout the UK. And what about the rest of Europe? You know, uh, the UK. I am I, I'm really excited, and I can't announce this just yet, but we will have a distributor in place probably by the end of April. Uh, we're shipping product, uh, getting websites built, uh, and expanding the distribution the facilities that are available there. But it's a very large uh, media company who has great distribution and can uh, tell the story of all our products. And so, yeah, we will have that in the U.K. Uh, the product executed is in, in, the, in Europe at our facility in Venlo, Netherlands, so all of our European people can get it. And of course, we do have it here in the United States. So yeah, it, we're 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 really excited about the product, and it's just part of of what we're doing and keeping expanding and building a better line for the triathletes. Cool. So the main products we normally focus on is extreme endurance and and obviously now execute. But is there any other you know one or two products you just want to highlight to the listeners? You know, uh, I keep coming back to extreme immune boost because. Uh, uh, we actually did a new a new flyer just specifically about that product because it is such a great, great, great product. I mean, every athlete uh, that I'm sure listens to your broadcast takes some form of a multivitamin, and and we know that. But Extreme Immune Boost is really the state of the art when it comes to nutrition. It's I think I've told you this before. It's 40 minerals and vitamins and trace elements and a complete antioxidant cocktail but it's in the most bioavailable nutrient form. And Timo and Yvonne and all of our pros that are on this product, they just don't get sick. And uh, so we call it Extreme Immune Boost. It's the best multivitamin antioxidant formula literally on the planet. And, uh, yeah, all of your serious athletes who care about their health uh, should be on this product. It's, it's really that good. 
Awesome. So if people want to get hold of this, remember the, the code I am talk. If you go to xendurance.com or xendurance.eu, um, you can get all your, your goodies there. So thanks very much for coming back on the show, Sandy. Great, John. Thank you for having me. I look forward to visiting with you again. Hot topic of the week, John. So last week we were talking about you losing your mojo. Who, who sent through this one? Uh, that's a good question. Okay, I'll find that while you do the first one. But basically, you're losing your mojo and you want to kind of get it back. It's brought to you by SLS Try. Love your work. You okay. Um, who are we doing? It's so you're going to find out. Uh, I'll read out a couple of the posts. Late, uh, lately, oh, here we go. Who's this one for? From It is from... It's great podcasting. Great podcasting. Yeah. Ben Score. Ben oh, Score. Ben the, the Seashore. Yep. Lately, uh, he... He wrote a, couple of, wrote a couple of paragraphs. Uh, lately, though, I'm starting to feel it again. He's obviously lost his mojo. What's helped me is paying more attention um, to the races my friends are doing, trying to watch more of the pro races and just be around the community a little more, even from a distance. I did LA Marathon this past weekend and got my juices following, um, flowing to start looking at more races I can do in the next 12 months. Okay, Will Hogarth, send it through. So right. that's good figure, Will. Right. Matthew Burns, take a break, do something different. After a race, doing a race after a bit of a break can kick your ass into gear and you get your training again. Sometimes it can be something simple like your wife rubbing your expanding tummy and asking when the bub's due. Right, okay. <laughs> Nadi McLaren, uh, into something that seems impossible at the moment. If you have no choice, then you have no choice but to train. Um, Patrick uh, Tobhin. Um, stood on the scales and looked in the mirror. <laughs> nice. David Barrett, uh, take a break, do something different. I took up cyclocross. So for those of you who don't know cyclocross, sort of um, you ride, basically ride a, a, ro- a modified road bike on sort of off-road courses and you have little jumps and things like that, a bit like, bit like cross-country horse racing. Um, it's a blast, wicked fun, and the fitness is still there, but different. So I'm good. Well, Hogarth, the guy who actually asked for the discussion he's got here, for me, losing mojo was uh, not about not training. So I was HTFU and getting on with it. Um, so basically, you had to harden F up. Um, for me, I reached a point where I hated the training and I wasn't doing it. So it was something I found I hard to accept. I found that training for Ironman and triathlon for so long is the thing that got me off from my Whoa, so he lost, lost a lot of weight basically at the time and since doing triathlon it's helped him find his love and enthusiasm for it Anthony Ripamonte um, I go volunteer at a race nothing got me more emotional and fired up than catching finishes at 11.30pm as I stumbled across the line at Ironman Arizona seeing all the athletes hearing the crowd go crazy the music and the atmosphere it's intoxicating Julie Stargazer Gorham um, she's saying run happened to me once and I just put my shoes on and went back and enjoyed the sport I loved first. Had fun, got muddy, found my fitness again, and then one day had the itch for a ride. Nice. Gary Fegan, hire a coach. Part of what I pay my coaches for is for the accountability it gives me. Also keeps me guessing about what you're doing next. Christopher Duran, buy a new pair of gear. Uh, you have been watch- wanting and watching the thrive, the novelty of using it. By the time the novelty wears off, you're training again. Boom. Boom. How uh, Davis, he had a really good comment earlier. It basically said harden up, um, but his second one was a little more constructive. Uh, part of the pro- problem is seeing training as a chore. I, for one, ditch triathlon through the winter and row. And he's actually got an article, if you go to our Facebook we page. We never call him Hal Davis. Sorry? We never call him Hal Davis. No, no. I Dav- didn't even know his last Dav- name Dav- was. Davis. 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 Is it? Davies? Yeah, Davies. Davies. I never knew that. So, there you go. You learn something every day. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Yes. So I thought it was Helltel officially. <laughs> so you can go to um, howdavies.me and he's got an article up there about uh, about how to sort of deal Mix with Mojo. It. Mix hmm. and match. Okay, John, your thoughts. You've so, written a book here. Well, you? that's why I was sort of doing this as a discussion of the week slash coach's corner because I thought it was a good topic. Um, so I think the key thing is is what when we're talking here about mojo is is really identifying um, that mojo is is different to sort of life getting in the way or not only life getting in the way. It's just you've lost you've lost that kind yeah. of passion to get out and ride and so, run. So for me, for example, you know, I'm not doing tries really at the moment or, or Ironman. It's not because I've lost my mojo. It's because I've you know, focusing on family and work, and and I don't have the the time or whatever reason that that I to get to the level that I want to. So this is really targeted at people that they've got a race coming up and they want to do that race, but they just can't be asked getting out the door. It's a real chore to get out the door and, and train. And Bevan's in a similar boat. You know, he's um, not doing triathlon not because he's lost his necessarily. Well, he can speak for himself. Not lost his mojo, but he's just taken a different direction. Yep. So I think the key thing is is when you're you're sort of looking at your year plan um, is, is actually having a year plan rather than just, just going, right, I'm going to do that race and start my triathlon training. You know, people who entered Melbourne, right, I've got Melbourne in 12 months' time, I'm going to start my triathlon training now, is to, is to have a plan. Um, plan in recovery time on a weekly basis, so making sure that each week you have a, a chill-out day where you either do nothing or just something very, very very easy swim. So on a weekly basis you're getting some, some chill-out time. Um, making sure you have an easier week every three to four weeks and having some downtime at the weekends, You know, especially if you're doing a full-on job and you really view weekends as uh, big training time, making sure that you have a full day off every three or four weeks is, is critical. And then one that a lot of people seem to struggle with, and I can't, it baffles me, is having a break at the end of the season yeah. you know some people I, I say to some people they come to me for the they've done their main race and they basically ring me in, within a couple of days and say right what, what's next and I say well don't do anything for two weeks and they say oh yeah but, but what should I do and I said don't do anything for two weeks don't do any you know you can do some form of exercise but don't make it swim bike or run um, and they, they really struggle with that concept but that's the esteem <coughs> thing John that's that's the whole our esteem is based we're on we're going we're, deep here Joe we're getting okay. deep babe we're getting deep <laughs> and uh, it's because our esteem is based on the fact we do exercise and it's so rewarding but then it's also a, a, a problem as well because we kind of get to that point where I feel so good about myself because I do this thing what if I don't do this thing do I lose myself and you know, while we love our sport, I think that's a dangerous place to live in because if you get injured or life circumstances make you pull away from your sport, like when the day when you have a day, you know, miss a day's training, you went through spending it with your kid and you, you want to be out training, mm. it's probably not the healthiest place to be. Exactly. So uh, take a leaf out of many of the pros books is like Cam Brown and stuff, you know, they're, they're looking at taking about a month off yeah, now. Yeah, of nothing. Uh, yeah, and, and so... It take, at the end of your season, you must take a good two weeks of basically nothing. Um, you know, go out walking, you know, okay to go mountain biking and things like that, but don't do anything structured for a good two weeks. So I think that's a, it's a first, my first sort of point um, is to, to plan your year and make sure you incorporate that recovery work so you stay um, fresh and you've got a few other things going on But um, and making sure that you have some variety again when you're planning your season so it's uh, New Zealanders and, and Aussies probably get suckered into this one quite easily in terms of if you're a Kona level athlete is basically training up for say Ironman New Zealand or Melbourne or whatever Ironman, Ironman Australia and then boom you're into your Kona training and you're basically doing tri-training a race build up for more or less 
All year. All year. You know, you maybe have a very short break after each All one. All year. Yeah. See that? Macho man. There you go. All year. All year. So I'd really encourage people to have a period of the year in their off season where you may be looking at doing some single discipline focus or as Hal and a few other people said, doing a different sport, you know. Um, obviously there's a gazillion different sports you can do, but obviously trying to make the more specific you can make it. Yeah, a gazillion. The more specific you can make it, the better. You know, somebody said cyclocross, um, that's going to really benefit your your cycling skills and your cycling fitness. Yeah, rugby league's probably not the answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, But but hey, whatever level you're at, uh, whatever rocks your boat to keep your interest, if you you decide to basically say triathlon's my summer sport and my my winter sport is... um, Something different. Cross-country skiing or downhill skiing or whatever, but making sure you have a period there where you're not tri-trading and you're not doing the same thing year and year, year um, throughout the year group training is another thing that gets a lot of people mojo not always the best thing for you but often it can help you get out the door and and have that social component um, and a big thing that I say for people that do Ironman is I really believe that every every few years maybe every three years maximum every four years you shouldn't do Ironman and you should really look at having a having a short course season I think it can benefit your performance massively but it's also just a bit different in terms of uh, not having that those big long hours and uh, and racing a bit more regularly I've got some tips yes train with people who are worse than you Yes, it's a gordo tip, yeah. Yeah, just, no, because it's good for your ego. Yes. Because it'll give you a bit of mojo. Like, if you're always riding with guys, and I know this is total kind of manipulating it so that you can feel yeah. a bit about yourself, but you know what, sometimes you need that. Yeah. You know, especially if you are kind of trying to develop yourself. When you're trying to develop yourself, you know, you know, to be around people who are slightly better than you is a good thing because it takes you to higher levels. But if you are in a place where, you know, you just always feel you're not getting anywhere because all the guys around you are faster... Sometimes go out and ride with someone who's just a little bit lower than you and you can get that boost, that kind of ego boost that sometimes we all need. Um, look for the things that you know you love about training. So, you know, do you know you love running in the trail runs? Mm. So you're trying to set yourself up for the things that you know that you love around training. Mm. Um, people as well is a big one as well. And then lastly, maybe plan to go away and do something fun around your training with that. Mm. I think race, the other one is, is, is your race selection as well, in terms of having something to motivate you. you know, so often people just go and do the same race every year. Yeah. And, and that can be, you know, whilst... Well, yes, you can, someone like Albert, it works, because he's done the same races yeah. for the last 10 years. But, but if it doesn't work for you, if you're getting... The thing is, it's, the gauge is, where's my mojo? Yeah. And if you're getting to that point where you, you, know, you find your skipping sessions, you find... And, it, and it's really nothing external. It's not because life's busy. It's not because of the family. It's just purely because, you know, something's not there that you used to have. And, you know, and I suppose one thing, you know, one of the other things you have to ask is, maybe it's time to have some time away from the sport. Mm. You know, in a bigger picture way to go, actually... This sport is no longer making me desire to be the best version of myself. Maybe it's time to go away. And it doesn't mean you're never going to come back to it. So, like, for me, I've moved away from triathlon overall. But I don't think it's the end of me ever doing triathlon. Like, I really see that once I give up the group fit life style, I could really use, you know, then I could think, well, I could do triathlon in a good way in a time frame that would work for me at that time. That might be another 10 years away, but it doesn't mean that triathlon's dead to me forever. So, something so, to consider. I think the other one, final point is, uh, for me anyway, Bevan will have that one last one last point. John, is, is to compete. And whatever level you compete at is, is, is using that as a bit of motivation to help get your mojo back. So, you might want to compete against others to go out there. That's always, you know, you've got to be, you know, 
take that with a little bit of caution because you don't have control over what they're doing. You know, competing against a watch in your training, whether you're looking for um, PBs in particular sessions or or using that as a, as a motivator. And when it comes to, to racing time, at what level are you going to compete? You know, whether again you're going to whether you're going to compete against a watch or whether you're going to set some some standards that you want to meet. You know, for a lot of us, um, if you're getting older or if you get if you're coming from a high level previously and you're not getting any quicker, you're probably not going to run PBs. But setting yourself some standards that you want to meet to that you'll be stoked with um, and just getting that sort of bit, bit of goal setting around it as well. So. I didn't know The Rock was back in the wrestling, mate. It's WrestleMania this week. The Rock? You know The Rock? You know The Rock? Don, Don The Rock Morocco? <laughs> I know. Hey, I was going to say, he may be pushing You know the on. guy, the actor, Don The Rock Morocco? Don The Rock, he used to do the pile driver. I used to pile drive people on the, the, on the high jump mats just about break their necks. <laughs> Don the Rock Morocco. Don the Rock Morocco. No, the Rock. You know the guy's the actor nowadays. No, the Rock. You know, and he does the eyebrow. Yeah. No, I, I think I John, Don, Don the Rock Morocco. Don the Rock Morocco. Oh, the Rock's back in WrestleMania, John. Oh yeah. Did I tell you I know someone who's going to WrestleMania? Really? Yeah. <laughs> How, so what's the structure of WrestleMania these days? Like, I don't know. Well, Do you remember the Royal Rumble? Oh no, the Royal Rumble's a different event. Right. Yeah, the Royal Rumble's an event in itself. The WrestleMania. <laughs> the, the key event of the year. Oh, it's, it's, oh it must have happened. Oh. Well, I had, I had a mate, a guy I know from Australia, and he went to it this year. Right. And he was saying it cost him $600 for kind of your mid-range seat. If you want to be in that corner when when the rock walks past you, yeah. and you want to pat him on, on the rock Morocco walks past you, yeah. and you want to pat him on the shoulders, 10 grand. Really? And you have to buy two seats. <laughs> two, 10 grand, so 20 grand. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realise The Rock was back. Sorry, I was kind of looking at other things while you were talking. <laughs> this, uh, this week's topic is brought to you uh, by, or suggested by Drago Zerv. Oh, I don't know how you pronounce that. The surname is D-Z-E-R-V-E. -E. We give up. Zerv. Okay, and what's he saying? He's saying, we're over in the States, I've got a race that's basically 1,500 participants and are doing a time trial. Now, is it iron distance? Kind of. It, basically, he's wondering, why can't we have a time trial start for the pros in Kona or any other race? Let the world number one start last and have them all chase, um, him chase down the rest of them as they move forward. Basically, he's wondering, and then put a 15-metre draft zone on it so it is an individual sport. If it's good enough for the Tour de France, why couldn't we do it in a sport? So the question, I suppose, is would you like to see an iron distance race done as a time trial? Do you think it will work? What would be the problems and why would it be good? There you go. This discussion brought to you by... Um, slstry.com um, they've got slstry they've got the full range of stuff they've got the compression tri race shorts so keep yourself nice and compressed when you're racing made in the USA um, they use 40% lycra usually that most um, things only have 20 to 25% lycra so that means you get the maximum support um, they use the cold black fabric so that reflects the sun um, and gives and gives you good UV prediction got a little pocket in the back it's nice and light um, the girls one's got a little cone of flower on the back of it some nice designs got the high-end pad we had James the Wise one by Botel telling us he loved their little high-end sort of chamois pad they've got in there free shipping in the US if you use the code IMTALK you get 25% off so check it all out at slstry.com get onto it guys get onto it okay so I'll put some music on eh this sounds Where's good. Where's the music? Here's the music. Where's the music? Here we go. Age Group of the Week. 
Double. Back on form, mate. It's the last few shows you've been a week on the age grouper. Just this early morning start's got me going. Double whammy age grouper of the week this week. Double nomination. Double doesn't nomination. happen often, does it? No. Came in consecutive. It was like two consecutive emails almost. Really? When you sent them through to me. Nice. So, um, so first uh, person to nominated them was Peter Coulson. Bevan. I want to put, in, um, oh, put up maybe my Maybe I should be reading this one. Well... I think, Peter, it's a two-man show here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the one who does emails. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Okay. Bevan, I want to put up a mate of mine, Greg And Peter Farrell. does email quite a lot. Greg Farrell. Um, at Ironman Melbourne, he was the f- fastest age grouper home overall in 8.48.35. He swam 52.20, biked 4.49, and he ran three hours and a couple of seconds. Gutted. You couldn't go into three hours for you, uh, for, for you, Greg. He did his first half back in Port Macquarie. What happened to you? What was your th- run, run time? It was like three hours and... One second, eh? Yeah, it was. It wasn't many. I must go check that out. Yeah, uh, he did Port Macquarie Ironman in 2007 and did an 11:20 or something like that. Last year, in his quest to get to Kona, he travelled all the way from Australia to Arizona and managed to qualify. Ripper guy. He's worked very, very hard for the, um, for his times. Also um, made one guy very happy at Ironman Melbourne roll down when he said, "Let my spot roll. I already have one." Nice. There's a big cheer from the guy that got Greg's passed yes. up spot. Well, <clears throat> Greg's obviously a pretty nice guy because Michael Walker also sent through Greg as the age group of the week. He said, I'd like to nominate my fellow Western Suburbs Triathlon Club member. Go the Western Suburbs. Greg Farrell from Melbourne as age group of the week. Greg qualified for this year's Kona at Ironman Arizona in a great time of 9-12, finishing second in the age group of 25 to 29. On Sunday, he took it to another level, not only winning his age group, but finishing, he's actually now the Asia Pacific champion, champion. (laughs) Um, winning his age group, but finishing first age grouper overall and 21st overall. Wow, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? His time of 8.48.35 meant he was only chicked by Caroline Stephan and Rachel Joyce. Greg did, oh, he's got his times here. Greg is a great guy who just loves the sport. This will be Greg's first Kona, and we're expecting him to you know what's good, John? He's going to get to meet us. And he's going to get to do the, the Blue 70 Wetsuit Challenge. I'm sure. What we should probably do, our angle for that one, John, is probably more to go get your supporters to do it. Because mm-hmm. not many people who are racing Kona Day mm. are going to turn up on the Wednesday morning before the race and do the okay. Wetsuit Challenge. Get your wives and your husbands who aren't racing. Yeah. Kids. Your support mates, because you get some mates who come over and exactly. watch it. So we'll, we'll be probably do that on Wednesday this year, because we get there on Tuesday morning. And we're going to do it, we'll do it on Wednesday. Because last year, slight technical hitch where the finish area was all set up and the road was more or less blocked. So we'll do it early in the week. Okay. Yes. So, Greg, though, outstanding performance. Well, awesome performance. Like, Arizona's a pretty fast course traditionally, you know. That, that's, that's where, no, she got the record in Arizona? Okay. No. Uh, no, oh, no it was a fast time. It, it was like the guys were doing... Low eight, so it didn't crack. So it's a fast course. So he did nine twelve there, which is smoking anyway. Yes. But then to go Melbourne and do an eight forty eight. Yes. That's a massive. That's twenty four minutes. Outstanding. And like six months. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Very very fast racing, and in five years dropping down from a, what an eleven twenty or something. So eight forty eight wherever you go um, is. That's 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 doing it. I mean, the time time's one thing, but the second thing is is being first age grouper overall. You know, um, if the course is short or long, whatever, then your time's going to be whatever it is. But if you're first age grouper overall um, at any race in the world, you've done uh, you've done a pretty smoking performance. Like it really is, you know, like because you think 
you know, 11 hours, you know, over 11 hours for you first, mm. that is the journeyman, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's the guy who said, I love the sport, I'm just going to stick at it, I'm going to keep growing and growing and growing. And, you know, we all have those good days, bad days, but, you know, in the last six months, he will have two of the most memorable races of his life. And, you know, like doing times like this, you know. Take your break now, Greg. Have some chill-out time. Still a fair distance to Kona. 25 to 29 to, to get top five, to get on the podium in Kona. What kind of time do you need to do over there? It's going to be condition variable, but it'll have to go quicker than that, I'd say. Yeah. I'd say probably a low 8, 840, I would have guessed. Last year was just so yeah, fast. Yeah, last year was just fast, wasn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone was coming in fast. Mm. Yeah, no, sub sub nine's not going to, like in last year's condition, sub nine's not going to do much for you last year. Mm. Still, could be Still a contender. Could be. Could be. Looking out You'll for get you. to meet us, mate, and that's obviously the only reason you wanted to get to Kona. Exactly. So what is it, Greg Farrell? You are our... Age group of the week. Um, interview. So we've got Hunter Allen coming up. Now, the discussion, uh, the topic today is brought to you by trainingpeaks.com. Use the code IMTALK for 15% off. Make sure if you're going to set up any account, whether it's a free account or paid one, you go via imtalk.me so they can sort of see where it's coming. And the topic we're going to talk about is, is around... Um, TSS, which is your training stress score, and this sort of ties in with training peaks because that number is automatically calculated for you whenever you input any sort of data in there, um, but you need to have all your zones and everything set up correctly, and as we talk with Hunter, you, know, you really need to have a, a power meter and, and a GPS watch, and then we go, I'll, I'll look at getting, um, he talks about Paul Newsom about getting on how to calculate your swim yeah. training stress scores, but all of that is done through trainingpeaks.com, and he's a big part of, uh, of, of basically establishing the framework for, for training stress score. So here we go, here's Hunter, Allen. he's a good guy too, so here he is. This on this week's show we have uh, the special guest, Mr. Power Guru Hunter Allen. Welcome back to show, Hunter. Mr. Power Guru, <laughs> you're like a Superman. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and certainly uh, enjoyable as well. So, uh, been doing lots of great things and uh, just got back from uh, Canada where uh, I taught uh, a whole to a whole new group of coaches there in Canada. And uh, wow, wow, lots of great questions. Lots of people thinking about training stress score, performance manager chart, all the things that we do in power training. So definitely fun. So yeah, um, I suppose hopefully you've got about a spare eight hours here to talk about <laughs> training stress score because <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty big topic and, and really the, the objective today was just to try to introduce people to it. So a lot of people aren't going to have a clue what we're talking about. Um, so can you, uh, training stress score, can you sort of explain um, in fairly basic terms what it is and, and how it's calculated? Absolutely, guys. So first off, and this is really the key concept that you have to get get through your head here, is that training stress score is a score that is designed to calculate how much training stress a ride will give you um, and any ride. So it's based on uh, a gold standard, which we call uh, one hour and that is as hard as you can go for one hour. So typically, you know, we do a lot of 40 kilometer um, time trials or in Olympic distance racing, 40 kilometers part of that, but uh, that is really the, the gold standard. So in that 40 kilometers, in that hour, you get 100 TSS points. So, you know, uh, Bevan, you get 100 points. Uh, you know, Newsom, you get 100 points. I get 100 points. Lance Armstrong gets 100 points. Crow gets 100 points. If you go as hard as you can for now, you get 100 points. Okay. 
so so that's really the the gold standard. So then, when you think about it, okay, well, if I go out and I score three hundred points, like let's say a typical Ironman might be a three hundred point ride, then that's the equivalent training stress of doing three hours back to back as hard as you can go. Now, it doesn't mean that you actually did that because we have also a, a, another metric we call intensity factor. And so in a typical Ironman, you might ride at 72% of your hour pace or your functional threshold power uh, pace. Is what, that's what we also call that hour as hard as you can go, your functional threshold power. Um, and but, but, uh, it's, but still, it's the same training stress to your body. And that's really the magic of it. And, and so how does it, I mean, obviously your area of expertise is in, in cycling, but how is this going to transfer across to running and swimming? So if you say the gold standard is your, you know, your, your one, hour, one hour hour of power, um, what are we looking at for, for, to get an equivalent score of 100 for um, biking and swimming? So, well, um, uh, let's, let's talk about ru- yeah. running. Yeah, no, let's, let's do running. So there is also a running training stress score. And since running has such such a, uh, a load uh, structurally, um, and, and that's a tough thing for your skeleton, you know, uh, clearly running a, as hard as you can for an hour is much harder than riding your bicycle for an hour. Mm-hmm. So um, Dr. Stephen McGregor, uh, who's, uh, who's, who's done most of you know, all the research in this area, he came up with 45 minutes. So a runner, their gold standard is as hard as they can run, as fast as they can run for 45 minutes, and that will give them a 100 training stress score points. And that also relates to what we call their threshold pace. Uh, and so then you build the training zones off of that, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So swimming, swimming is 1,000 meters. Uh, so it's it's what you can swim for a thousand meters, and that's you know that's pretty typical for most everybody. Everybody kind of does a thousand meters, and that's kind of the the norm. Uh, and uh, you know, the swimming side of it hasn't been as developed. Um, you know, and and uh, there, there's some guys, uh, Paul at Swim Smooth. He's done a lot of work more in this department, so he's really the expert. Um, but uh, you know, that's where we're looking at is thinking about what is how many TSS do you get for swimming for running for cycling and then how does that combine it Hmm. and how does that look look for the athlete um so i guess as with anything you know tss um any sort of generalized training scores or anything like that is going to have some some caveats to it in terms of um I don't know, you know, say, say I go and do a thousand meters um, hard and I'm an experienced um, athlete versus versus a newbie athlete, they're going to have a different stress score. Likewise, if, if we go and do, you know, a 5k hard run, if it's a flat 5k hard run versus Bevan last week did a, one where he ran straight down a hill for 5k and then turned around <laughs> and came back up, obviously that's going to have a different effect on the body. Does training score, I mean, do you have to look at it with a take a grain of salt in terms of some of those factors like that? Well, that's an awesome question. And nice. um, in, in, in cycling, we, uh, Dr. Coggin, Dr. Coggin, you know, I, I'm the idea guy. So I come up with all the ideas and, uh, you know, he's the, the math guy. And so I usually go to Coggin and I say, I got this great idea, you know, and, 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 then, and then I'm like, go figure it out. 
<laughs> and then two weeks later, he comes back and goes, Eureka, I've got it, right? And so yeah. then he does, um, and, and that's how training stress score was born and how intensity factor was born and how this other thing called normalized power was born as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what takes into account um, in cycling how um, variable your cycling is because if you're going up and down hills, up and down hills, you know, you may be averaging 350 watts on the uphill and then 100 watts on the downhill, but maybe the downhill is really short. You know, it could be only 30 seconds or 20 seconds and your body didn't really recover that much from the downhill. Mm-hmm. So um, it, we, he, he came up with a really nice algorithm, a way to take into account the metabolic stress and strain, what your, or in a layman's term, what your body feels like it did, um, and that's normalized power. So let's say, for example, a very hilly ride, you might, uh, your average power might be 200 watts but your normalized power may be 260 watts. And that's really what your body felt like, it was 260 watts. So we have the same concept goes over into running. So let's say, for example, you run for a kilometer at your fast. That's a, you know, a four minute per kilometer pace or something. And then you go up a hill for a kilometer and then now you're, you're running at a five minute per kilometer pace but that actually is even harder than you were running on the flat because now you're going uphill. And then you go down the other side and you go down the other side and you go down half of a kilometer down the other side, but now you're running at a 345 per minute per kilometer pace. And, and then you run for another four minute per kilometer pace for another kilometer. So all of that take into account, if you just do the averages through math, you know, it might end up being somewhere around a, a 425 or something pace. Mm-hmm. But what you're, body felt like it actually felt like it was running at a 355 pace the whole time because it takes into account the elevation changes so i guess the key with that is is you need to be running with a uh, a gps watch yes that is that's critical because that's where you get the pace data and so then you can you know you can even see okay well what's my pace for all these things so, I mean, for people that have never experienced this before, it's uh, they don't have to go through the uh, the algorithm and work out their training st- stress score manually for them. Um, it basically happens uh, if they're on trainingpeaks.com or if they use WKO software that automatically works out that number for them. Um, it's obviously really important that people have their zones set up correctly and um, that they keep them updated. I mean, how much difference does it make to your TSS score if you say you're you know, your your functional threshold power is maybe you're in your off season. It's maybe 10, 15 watts lower than what it is when you're at your peak. Is it does that make a big difference in terms of your training stress score? It does. It really does, and that's a critical part of it. So, all of the the this is really built on getting the right training stress score. And since training stress score is built on uh, your threshold power, the equation is is um, has threshold power as a divisor. Then any small change in your functional threshold power really impacts how many training stress score points you get. Mm-hmm. So it's it's critical. And in um, the Training Peaks WKO software we have a way to um, and in what I really I kind of say I put parentheses around your data when uh, all of your data is associated with a, a specific threshold power so for example 
let's say January one through March, uh, you know, one, you're you go and you test and you do your your power test. You 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 find out okay, well, my threshold power is 250 watts. Well, on March the second, you go out and you go and test again, and now you figure out well, my my threshold power is now 225 watts. Well, so. What you have to do is you have to say, okay, we need to put parentheses around the data from January 1 to March 1, everything is 200 watts, and then from March 2nd going forward is 225 watts. And then that, that, that's a, um, a critical part because then it maintains the integrity of the training stress scores for each time period. And, and then and then you keep your performance manager chart, you know, dialed in, you keep your TSS scores dialed in, you've got everything, you know, kind of moving in the right direction. So, with, you know, all these kind of tools that you're kind of giving us to have better understanding of our body and, and what's happening, I suppose then the question becomes, how do we plan with it? You know, if you know what your TSS is, um, you know, and you're seeing what's happening in your training, actually, how do you plan forward to make it as effective as possible for your training and, and your racing? Well, and that's that's been my goal all along, um, even since uh, I was like uh, the big vision, the grand vision back in 2002. Gosh, that's 10 years now. Um, but uh, was to be able to actually periodize athletes training from the true training dose. Okay, so here is a dose, and then you get the response. We know how you are, we know if every, you know, you get a dose of X, then you respond to Y. If you get a dose of Z, you get a response of W, whatever it is. And um, so that was the big thing. It was like, I want to be able to periodize everybody's training plan by getting a certain training stress more for each ride. Now, again, you have to you have to remember that you still do the VO2 max intervals, you still do your threshold hours, you still do your sweet spot intervals, you still do your endurance rods. It's not just randomly going out and rotting and getting trained stress for for the help for the for the heck of it. But you know, you still have to have the uh, the, the specific components of training in there. But you know, being able to plan forward and say, okay, on this day, I need to be you know this fresh, or I need to have this much fitness, or maybe um, in this week at the end of the week, I want to be this fatigued. Then um, you can plan for that. And so one of uh, the new features coming out in Training Peaks is the ability to plan forward, so that you'll have your performance manager chart, um, and it'll kind of a little dot 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 line showing you which workout how much you know TSS you get for each workout and then um, how what it will be in the future so you can you know, plan out months and months of training if you wanted to so that you would know exactly okay well you know on June the 5th I'm going to have my training stress balance is going to be you know positive 10 or my chronic training load is going to be you know 97 and, and whatever you want it to be so you have the ride that you want to have so that obviously in terms of, and we're going, we're going to jump onto performance management charts in a second, um, this is going to vary significantly from, from athlete to athlete in terms of um, what training load they require and, and, uh, and, and in terms of their planning, because that will vary quite a lot from athlete to athlete, won't it? 
It will. And, and that's a, that's a tough situation because everyone recovers differently. Um, and then everyone handles, uh, different training loads, um, better, um, or worse than other people. Uh, a lot of it comes down to the amount of time you have. Okay. So, um, again, you know, a person who only has six to eight hours a week to train, they're only going to be able to handle so much because they just don't have the time. Um, those, those athletes, um, you know, are, are, are working the, the balance of, of everything, their families their you know, their work, their all that stuff. And, and truly those, uh, people in that range, it's nearly impossible to um, to overtrain from a physical perspective. Mm. Now we see we see you know kind of uh, overtraining syndrome we call it um, happen because of the rest of their life you know stresses yeah. at work or they can get enough sleep or the kid gets sick and they get sick you know blah blah. Um, but what we can do is um, optimize their training dose so that we get the response and that's that's like one of the most um oh you know uh, what's the word for it you know just the exciting or uh you know kind of big take-home points or uh yeah. you know really the the epiphanies that happens when you start training with a power meter it's like wow well it, you know if i've got let's say um eight hours a week to train wouldn't it be great if i knew exactly um that i could i really only had to train seven hours a week because that gives me the best response and if i train eight hours i don't get any more additional response um or on the opposite side of it you know maybe you have 15 hours a week to train and you really find out you only need 12 hours a week and you get the same training dose the same training response in 12 hours that you would have 15 hours now of course we do this because we love it so you might <laughs> still choose to do the other three hours <laughs> more than but, likely <laughs> right right exactly um but uh at the same time it's about optimizing that uh that training load so you know, I think we've got a bit of a grasp of, of TSS and what, what that's all about now. What what Training Peaks and WKO does after that is then that automatically um, feeds that data into what's known as the performance management chart. And there's three um, three measures on that. You've got your TSB, your ATL, and your CTL. Can you explain um, what they are? Absolutely. So. Um when we when we think about um, uh, this this idea of form, what is form, and having good form, and having uh, you know being on form, form is comprised of two things. One, you have fitness, and then you also have freshness. So you can't have the best Ironman of your life or half Ironman or even Olympic distance if you haven't been if you've been sitting on the couch for three months. Yep. Um, but you can't either. You won't either have one of your best rides or um, bikes or runs or Ironmans or whatever if you've been training like a madman and you don't rest. So you have to have a bit of each. And so that balance um, is critical. Now, what is fitness really? Well, fitness is comprised of two things. One, we call chronic training load or CTL. Chronic training load is all the workouts that you've done in the last six weeks, the last 42 days. So everything you did 
six weeks ago is really impacting your current fitness. Now, of course, you know, we know that the stuff you did six months ago and last year and four years ago, you've been doing this a long time. That also has to do with your fitness, you know, the, the foundation of your fitness, but really your current fitness is about the last six weeks or so, what you've been doing and building up to the, the other side of that is the shorter part. So your fatigue, and that's what we call acute training load. So that's really what you've been doing in the last seven days up to 14 days. And your acute training load tells you about how sore you are. You know, gosh, you know, I'm really sore because of yesterday's workout or this weekend's workout or last Wednesday's workout or whatever it is. That's your acute training load. So fitness is a result of both the long-term chronic training load and then the short-term acute training load. Now, in the, the TSB or training stress balance is the balance of this fitness plus freshness. So that's that idea of how to find the balance so that you on the day, you can have the right balance of fitness and freshness. If you're too fresh, you won't be as, you know, you, you've lost fitness and so you won't perform as well. Or if you're too fatigued, it's the opposite side. You're too tired and you won't have the best performance either. So those are really the three components of performance manager and optimizing the training stress balance is the critical part. And will that be different for different individuals? Like, you know, will you learn by using these tools over time that, okay, I my you know, my place sits at this point or is it kind of the same number that you're aiming for for everybody? Um, you know, we, we did a ton of work um, in, in when we first started doing this and we studied and well, we didn't study, but we queried about 300 different athletes on what the optimal training stress balance number was to create a personal best. And we found that some people had personal best when they were relatively fatigued, like let's say a negative 30. Um, now, and, and then other people were on the opposite side. They were a positive 30 and they had a uh, personal best, you know, so there's always the, the people, okay, well, gosh, maybe the negative 30 guy, he was actually coming from a negative 90 and he was actually recovering. Um, and then the positive 30 person probably was a shorter event. So the more positive your TSB, the more, more freshness, the better you'll do in a short event. So, um, maybe a sprint triathlon, you want to have a higher number, positive 15, positive 20 or something like that. But most people kind of fit right there around what we call uh, neutral or negative five to about positive 15 or so. And that's that's kind of right in, the, in that little uh, nice range where, you know, you're not too fatigued. Maybe you're just in balance at zero or you have a little bit of freshness, just enough, you know, so that, that you're maintaining your fitness. Um, so for uh, the longer distance races, like the Ironman, the half Ironman, you can go into those a little more fatigued actually because fitness is a bigger component of that than freshness is. Um, and so maybe at Ironman or half Ironman, you're only a positive five or 10 where at a Olympic distance or a sprint distance or a, uh, um, you know, a draft legal event, maybe you're a positive 15 or so or 20 because you need a little more freshness because the event's shorter. 
Mm. Um, we had a question from Justin Superdad Waller. Um, are there any um, merits in building a training plan based off, based off TSS uh, and CTL, or should those numbers be viewed more as evidence of where you have been? So my sort of take on that is, is, is you know, your TSS score and, and tracking everything through your performance management chart, do you really have to be all in in terms of tracking every single thing you do or will you still get benefit out of you know tracking putting in your key sessions putting in your key sessions and going well that was a TSS score or is it a case that if you want this to be beneficial you've really got to track everything give every swim a score give every strength and conditioning workout a score um, or can you yeah. oh, do you need to be super anal basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> well um, you know the the uh, it's best if you have it all. It really is because even your rest days, it counts a little bit towards your your overall you know tr- chronic training load. Um, you don't have to be crazy anal about this because you know it's just you know you get out there and you put on your bike, you hit start on your power meter computer head, and you go, and then you come back, you hit stop, and you download the thing. And even if you don't look at the data, at least you're getting the training stress score. And same thing with running. If you've got a, a, a pace-based watch or something, you're recording the workout, you're coming back in, you're downloading it, you're putting it into your, your WKO Plus software, Training Peak software, and then at least you're getting that part done. Um, and, and so you, know, you can even only look at just one chart. You can only look at your performance manager chart and start to correlate how your fitness and freshness is going. Um, you know, if you just did bike, that would be of a help, um, you know. If you don't even if you don't have a pace based watch, that's okay. Or if you just did running, more information is better than none, um, you know. But then you have to also remember, bad information is worse than no information. Hmm. So you know, don't don't uh, you know, don't uh, don't try and get bad information or guess at it if you don't really understand what you're what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So in terms of uh, obviously Hunter's actually doing this from uh, Chicago Airport, and we know he's got to get off, and we don't want him to miss his flight. Anything else going off uh, in Hunter World in terms of uh, any camps, or obviously if people want to find out more about this, they can they can go and get your book. But any other advice you want to give the listeners? Oh, you know, I think that um, right now, I mean, uh, just focusing on uh, the, uh, you know, learning what a training stress score is for the bike and run when you go out. And, and, you know, I was teaching this weekend and telling them and saying, hey, look, your goal this next two weeks is when you come back from your ride or your run, I want you to predict how many training stress score points you have before you download your device. Oh, nice. See how close you know your own perception is with what it is, what, what it is reality. If you start doing that, then you get really good at saying, "Oh gosh, that was a two hundred twenty-five point ride, or that was one hundred and seven mm. points, or whatever." And and then when when you know you don't have that data, whether your power meter or battery goes flat or whatever or something, you know, then you can help you know be better at estimating what you got. Um, so that's that's the that's that's your uh, that's that's the take home right now. Um, you know the newest thing I've got a book coming out. It's uh, it just uh, just uh, I'm supposed to. I just got a confirmation that it, that uh, the first boxes just arrived in my nice. office. 
<laughs> super psyched. So I'm glad to be heading home tonight to, to check it out. I haven't seen it myself, but it's called Cutting Edge Cycling. And it is uh, it was written with uh, Dr. Stephen Chung. And uh, he's the uh, science uh, guy, and he writes for Pez Cycling News. And uh, we do a, a really cool thing. He does the science behind the latest um, in cycling, um, what's the latest science? What's the latest technology? What's all the thing? What's what's all the studies and research that, that tells us? And then I take all of that and then I apply it from a coach's perspective and say, okay, here's what the science says, and then here's how we really do this in the real world. Um, so we've got things in there. We've got a huge chapter that I'm super excited about: uh, recovery and overtraining. We've got one on periodization. We've got one, of course, on um, you know, devices like the power meter and, and pace-based uh, watches and such. We've got one on nutrition. Uh, we've got one on bike fit. What's the latest science in bike fit? Um, so it's a really broad spectrum book. Uh, you can get it. I still I think I've still got um, uh, maybe a hundred copies that are unreserved for autographs. So if you go to my uh, website and order it off my website, uh, Dr. Chung and I are going to autograph. I think we got another hundred copies that we'll get done and we'll ship it directly to you. And that's um, Peaks coachinggroup.com and uh, you can uh, get your reserved autographed copy um, here today. And is, is it on Amazon right now? It is on Amazon as well. As well. You can Great. order it right off Amazon. Those, those signed copies will be gone before you even make it home to your to your house. <laughs> so you have to do another thousand, ten thousand more. <laughs> anyway, That's not a. That would be a great problem to have. <laughs> we uh, we know you got to get onto your flight, so we better let you go. So thanks again for your time. People always love hearing you when you come on, and um, and have a safe flight. Yeah, eat lots. Thanks, guys. Cool. So that was brought to you by trainingpeaks.com. Good guy. Um, good guy, Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, really encourage you to do some more research on that topic if it's something that, that tickles your fancy because uh, it is a massive topic. He's got covers it in his book. There's also plenty of stuff written up about it online, but it's a, it's a big area to, to, to cover. And it helps the coach a lot. And another thing that helps the coach a lot, and this is something I was doing yesterday actually, is athletics.com because if you keep all your results in one place, your coach can go there and check things out very quickly yeah, exactly. because it's otherwise you've got to troll through all these different bloody Results. First start out as well. Let's say you've never used the coach, and you want to actually get a coach to, you know, you think, okay, I want to get a coach, and, and you're going to go, where well, you're at, and you go, well, here's my Flinks page. You can see all my previous results, and you'll mm. see that, you know, you know, you may have done seven half Ironmans, and you want to do an Ironman, and while your PB might be a four and a half, actually, you could kind of consistently sit around five hours. Mm. You know, that might have been a faster course and all the rest of it, but they can kind of get a better picture of your athletic ability based on. When you race, what was what I was trying to do yesterday was uh, I had a guy that raced Galveston and um, and he had a good run. And I thought, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to know all my athletes' PBs off by heart, but I don't. Come um, on, John. <laughs> so I got Come pick, on, that's why you have athletes. Um, but I went on there and I just wanted to, to, to get a quick summary of, of his best half iron distance race and, and, and his best run performance. So the good thing was you can go on there. How's that tummy oh, rubbing your tummy good, nicely? Yep, good. You know, I just went on there and it basically had a section. You know, you can either divide it by. Um, by years or by sport um, or by distance. So, you know, this was a half Ironman, so he had, like, I don't know, nine half Ironman races on there. Go on there, I could see his, his quickest time. So it was really useful for me from a coaching perspective. So if, if I coach you and you're listening to this, make sure you're flipping athletes uh, files the up listeners? to date. Sorry? Don't you coach all the listeners? I don't, I yeah. do. <laughs> so um, really useful and just useful from your own point of view because 
It, it does stagger me sometimes. A lot of people don't Staggers know their, their, P, their PBs, their, P, their personal best times. Do you? Um, What's your personal best half? Well, I know more around my, 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 more around my individual. <laughs> so wait, what, what's your personal best half? Uh, three hours and 59.45. Is it really? No, but I'm talking you're staggering more me. about run performances oh. because the bike performances, that's going to vary a lot. But I can tell you my, my eight, eight, 8.51, I ran 32.50 something uh, in Hong Kong once. Okay, so, what's your best five? I have not broken 16 minutes for 5Ks. I know I could. Two of my running coaches are chicks, John, and they would beat you. Rubbish. No lies. Rubbish. No lies. They're both ran... No, no, no. They're not lying, John. <laughs> they're both just moved up from the UK, and they're runners for the UK team. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, Lizzie and Anya, and they've mm-hmm. both gone... Yep. What's your times? Oh, it's literally like 15, 59, mm. but they've both have gone sub-16. Yeah. So, I mean, so sub-16 is a, good, is a good mark. I think when I was building up for... And it was not rubbish, John. Well, I'll, I'll check my stats on that. I think I was probably... I'd probably be able here to run 1545. Oh, here if we I go. To. Um, but it's just... <laughs> John hates being beaten by chicks. What are you going to do as you get old? Just I'll stop racing. Keep beating, I'll still keep beating them. <laughs> keep beating them. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so really hates it. It is a great place to just keep a track of all your races uh, and compete, claim, and connect. Beautiful. There we go. Uh, questions and, and answers. answers. Okay, well, Simon Murray sent through the first one. He says, hey, Bevan, because I always respond. Here we go. Hey, they've learned, John. They've learned. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife dropped into the conversation that she'd like to visit New Zealand and that it would be fun to tie in a race with it. Jeez, she was definitely worth marrying, wasn't she? I was taken aback, and but now the idea is firmly routed for 2014. I have done one Ironman Lens according in 2011, and wondered if I would go for Challenge Wanaka or Ironman Taupo. My gut feeling is Wanaka is the prettier race, which is what it's more important to me than a PB. Your thoughts? Okay, so I've done a quick analysis of the two. Oh, well, you really have, haven't you? Swim. <laughs> You've gone in depth. Swim, you're basically looking at it. Both s- beautiful. Both, both nice. Yep. Both lakes, swims, beautiful the only, the only thing I would say is when you turn and breathe, Wanaka's a better look. Right, yep. You know, you look, there's the mountain, that's quite nice. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, bike, Taupo is pretty much a, a fairly flat course, a few rollers in there, yep. not the most interesting bike course. Yeah, pretty much long straight roads. Yeah. Yep. Um, Wanaka, uh, quite a bit of rolling. Um, Hard ride, yep. shit roads, but beautiful. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Very beautiful. Yep. Uh, the run, Taupo, you're uh, more of a traditional sort of Iron Man run. You're running on the pavement and the roads. There's some rollers. It's a double out and back. So you get Lots to of see crowd people. support pretty yep. much the whole run. You get to see a lot of people. You get to see your competitors as well. Wanaka, um, about half of it is on trails. Really nice, beautiful, scenic run. You've got a fairly decent hill in the middle of each lap. It's a two-lapper yep. and a few rollers. You're going to get less crowd support down there. When you go through town, you get plenty, but it's much more of a, a scenic run yeah. um, than uh, seeing huge amounts of people. Very nice. Uh, overall, wa- John? Overall, Wanaka, you're looking at, um, it's a smaller race. They have the half on there as well. It's got a really good buzz about it, but the reality is it's, it's a smaller race. You're not going to have... Two and a half thousand people competing um, on the start line. Um, the key thing about Wanaka, which I think um, helps, is it's got awesome access to the best scenery in New Zealand. No, Wanaka is right yeah. next to Queenstown. If you are looking for the more, although you know what, maybe we're just South Island biased. <laughs> yeah, well that's okay though. Yeah, well that is okay. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if we're going to be fair and balanced, John, because that's what our role is in this job, is. You know, I imagine Tapa is pretty close to some beautiful places. It is. You know, you get your your raw beauty in the South Island. You know, there's not yeah. many people, and you've got the 
Yeah, just naturally beautiful. Whereas North Island has to work on it. You've got to work <laughs> yeah. exactly. You've got to drive that. You've got to bit, of, bit of implants. More, yeah. more, more people. Footsies. More people. You're close to Rotorua, um, where you've got more yeah, of the geothermal yeah. stuff. So that's uh, sort of something. They're both both good races. Um, if you were in his situation, John, uh, if I was coming with my wife, you know. and if he's saying that scenery, if the, if the if the time doesn't matter too much for you, then I would probably go to Wanaka. Um, yeah. uh, if you want that Ironman experience and more people and that sort of buzz, then you probably go towards. Yeah, it's a kind of a, a, a win-win situation either way. So, yeah. So there's John's view. There you go. Do you want my view? Yeah, Ben. What's your view? Um, what, what would you go and do? I'd probably do the festival of triathlon. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's just, just you, myself. If you came for a month, you, you know, you'd have to come for about a month and a half. You we'll could do, do that start of start of December, and then you could just cruise through holiday so for about five or six so weeks. Nice. Looking after you, mate. Robert Burley, Burley I should say, sent through another question. He's got to love the show, great information, and learned and laughed lots. Yes, turn on to lots of folks to your show. Now, do that, guys. Tell your friends about the show. Yes. We don't say that often. No. Tell your friends. Say, look, I do this, Iron Man. You don't even know what I do. Listen to this show. You'll love it. The guys are amazing. <laughs> Trying to be a better balance in my life uh, concerning weekly training and time it consumes. So is it better to do a few core sessions, short core sessions, four times a week? So e.g. Is he talking? Wait a second. I better say this again. Is it better to do a few short core sessions a week, e.g. four sessions at 15 minutes or to have two longer sessions, 30 minutes. So he's obviously talking about your core work mm-hmm. and what is your thoughts. So he's going, do you want to have lots of short ones or a couple of big ones? I thought you might like have oh, okay. a view on this. Well, I always think, first of all, you, you, what's going to make you successful is where you start from. So what's more realistic that you're going to do? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, uh, you know what, if, if you're getting that much core work in a week. That's quite, that's, yeah. by average, that's quite a lot. Yeah, that's quite a lot. And so, that, that you know, if you can aim to get either in, it's going to be good. So it's more, which one do you feel is best going to sit into your lifestyle? So if you know you can do 15 minutes while you're watching your favourite TV programme, you know, four times a week, that might be the answer. Whereas if trying to fit 30 minutes in just takes you into that time slot, which is a little bit longer, or you might find that on a Tuesday morning, a Sunday morning, you have a bit of time and a half an hour session. Mm-hmm. The key is that you're doing core work. Mm. And the key is is that when we're doing core work, we're doing a lot of plank and um, side planks and more of the holding the whole body. Because if you think of traditional core work, we're thinking that, you know, like your, your traditional crunches and stuff like that, it really only works the front. And what we want to do is we want to be using a lot of stabilizing through the whole core region. And that's where your plank work and all that type of stuff as well is really, really important. Mm-hmm. You know what, if, if you are near a gym, Les Mills, and I'm, I know I'm doing a total Les Mills oh, no, plug that's, that's a good product apparently. Yeah, they've brought out this new product called CX Works and it's... um. It's a 30-minute core workout, and I'm, I'm actually mm. just going to start teaching myself next week because I just think it's so great. And it's mm. um, it's a whole core conditioning, and it really does focus on not you know just the six-pack abs. It focuses on the core, you know, all the way around. Does a bit of glute work, bit of front, you know, hip flexes and stuff as well. And it's it's a really really brilliant workout. So mm. if you do have a gym nearby with that, I would you know do that. But really, it's actually what do you think you're going to be most successful in? You know, you obviously have. You know the time frame is the same either way, and you know. So I would say the physiological adaptations yeah. probably not much in it. No, but if you if you're doing an hour of core a week, I think that would be fantastic. And, um, and even for other people, just even if you get home, if you before you have your stretches to do some core work, you know, occasionally after a session. That's what would be my main um, point on this would be trying to incorporate rather than viewing core as a standalone session um, for the sake of getting it done and not having it hang over you is to try to incorporate it into your other training so you know whether yeah. you do it you know if you're doing it going for a run go for a little warm-up do 15 minutes core then carry on when you run or do it at the end but if it's always 
over the sitting over the top of you thinking oh, I'll do it but I, I agree that doing in front of the TV and stuff is, is great but it's often hanging over you and then you're watching the TV and then you go it's another time you have to oh, exercise bugger, have to yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if you can just incorporate it into something you're already doing and make that a routine because core is so important mm. you know for swimming running for all exercises you know core is fundamental mm. and so and, and it's that whole thing that we exercise so much how can you add more and so you know my answer would be how do you make it successful not necessarily the amount of minutes you do it if you don't like doing core you can just sit there drinking a lot of coffee Bevan there That's you go because that, that makes you stand up tall do you know what's happening coming up uh, soonish is this New Zealand as well well I, I checked this out <clears throat> it is <clears throat> Mother's Day is coming up and coffee's of when, when's, when's it in New Zealand well, I, I did check you might want to do a Google check but I, I, we're the same as the US by the look of it I think it's May the 18th um, yeah it's always around my dad's 13th birthday 13th or 18th um, so that's coming up for you guys in the UK I think when I the search it was like and it's been and gone in March but anywhere else um, that's important i.e. America and New Zealand um, there's a Mother's Day roast limited edition coffee coming out it's our latest limited edition that's roast that's a good Mother's Day present sweet, isn't it sweet um, beans from the Big Island Kona Kiao and the Hilo districts blended with spicy katia or Ketuai beans <laughs> from Molokai and Maui um, sweetness with subtle spice just like mum or mom. 13th of May, John. 13th of May. 13th so if you order May. it now, you'll get it there. You'll be able to give it to your mother. It's actually a pretty good Mother's Day present, isn't uh, it? You get an eight ounce bag for eighteen ninety nine, a one pound bag for twenty seven bucks, or a two pound bag for forty six bucks. Have you got your mum's like birthday or anything like that? Uh, we have a birthday chart at home now, so I don't forget birthdays. Oh, nice. So that just sits inside the uh, sits inside the kitchen cupboard, and uh, so we don't miss anything. Good. Do you, have you put the Mother's Day thirteenth? No, it's birthday. Do you do Mother's Day chart? No, not really. Oh, I mean, come on, John, acknowledgement. She brought you up. Yeah. I look, I look after my mum. What do you do? What do you do? So looking give, after her. I uh, give her a telephone call. <laughs> my my mum rings literally. My mum my mum loves ringing, and it's uh, not so bad for me. She was always been with my sister. Like literally, if you're ever at my sister's house and the phone rings, you just say hello, mum. Yeah. Seriously, like it's that bad. But with me, it's never been so bad. But she's joined my running group, and so she's just really? yeah, she's done really well. She did the five k run last weekend, so she's yeah. done. She, my mum's always been a fit woman. Never been after. Well, never, never ran in years really, and so she's done the get up to five, and she's now starting the ten k tonight actually. Mm. Been getting about ten calls a day. Right. Every run, I get a post-run analysis, and yeah, yeah, yeah I get it all, and it's it's good because I love my mum. And um, so, what do you do for Mother's Day then? I get, get a coffee, Mother's Day coffee roast. Hawaii. Yep, there you go. That's what I'm doing. Yep. So, get on, guys. Coffee's Hawaii. Remember, you get the checkout code. Um, I am talk at checkout. I think it is. Yep. And uh, but you know, Mother's Day. Get onto it now so that when closer to Mother's Day, you go, oh, I forgot Mother's Day. You're on it because they let you know if you do forget, don't they? Mothers mm. are like that, just mm. suddenly. Oh. You know when I used to cook your your breakfast? Yeah. Yeah. So wipe, your, I cared about wipe you. your pooey bottom. That's right. Mum. <laughs> um, sponsors? Athlinks.com. Uh, tell your coach. Coffees of Hawaii. Tell your mum. Extreme Endurance. Tell Sandy. There you go. What did you talk to Sandy about? I never um, listened to it. Execute. Oh. And a few of the other I products. I need to listen to it. So you need to listen to it. Okay, John. Uh, what's your goss? My goss. Uh, Just by the way, interrupting. The Rock One. The Rock one, did yep. he? John the Rock Morocco Wrestling one. one. Yep. Don the Rock Morocco. Okay, you keep talking. Um, I'm off to do a, organise a kids, or help uh, with a kids triathlon today. Oh, really? The whole school, whole preparatory school at St Andrews College. Um, what else is happening in my world? Good week of training. I did 
goodness. He's uh a picture of Don Morocco. Steroids in his time by the look of it. Uh, no, surely not John sure not. <laughs> Never. I did three runs the other day, Bevan. In one day? In one day. What's all not that about? always advised. I had to run the kids to preschool and back, 4K. Go pick them up back and back to another 4K. Yep. And then had to go and pick them up later on in the day from my parents' place, another 10K. So you so, did 18K? 18K in one day, three runs. It's like elite runners, eh? Yeah, they run good. more than once a day. And, uh, and I had a little bike ride the other day. Went with the Philinator. Went up and over Dyer's Pass around the harbour a bit. Philinator's wife's been going hardcore at the gym. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, girl, the girls just see this, a bit of advice here. You know, the Philinator's coming across to um, Kona um, for my nice, camp. Nice. And the girls have booked them to go over to Melbourne for um, for about four or five days. To be honest, days. I think the girls are getting ripped off here, but we won't tell them that. No. Kona, Melbourne. <laughs> Which one would you go for? Well, our bank balance is going to get severely <laughs> impacted from the Melbourne trip. So. So that's all good. And another tip here is Phil's uh, made the team for the for the World Champs um, for Auckland. And uh, I was probably going to be going, or I was going to be going up anyway because I've got hopefully one, maybe two. I might have the whole New Zealand under-23 team that I coach. There's a two-man team. Nice. So one's in. The other one, it's going to be selectors' discretion. Um, and, and can you kind of selectors, pay, pay make sure money? you bloody well select yeah. my man because he's the one that deserves a spot. Does he really? Yes, he got second at this main selection race, but not an automatic slot. Could go another way. Would that be controversial? Controversial will be in my world. Nice. Um, so I was going to go up and watch the under twenty three race, and uh, and then but the age group races on the Monday. They're racing on the Saturday, and I sort of can't really justify staying up there for a couple of other days to watch the age group race because every night you're away from home is a bit of a, you know, it's 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 a black mark, it's a black mark oh, against really? your name. Uh-huh. And so I thought, well, okay, we'll ditch the kids, get the wives to come up. And the, then we're staying up there for a few extra days. Oh, you're a schemer, Melina. That's what you are. So we've got that sorted all booked in, found the the, the, the nice... And nice did you, do you go down the angle? Do you say, honey, I just want to spend time for you and the kids. And it's too good to get away. Just, some, just some get away from time. the kids. Oh, it's, so it's, the kids aren't even going. No, the kids aren't coming. Oh, that's even So that's a, it's not hard to sell it. It's oh, not a hard nice, sell. Nice, nice. So, Who looks after the kids then? Is that, are they staying here? Yeah, they're around your place. You play with your cat <laughs> yeah. every day. So that's, uh, that's my will Bevan What's happening John I get Bevan. a call from my daughter We went out for dinner The other night And my daughter had a, friend, a couple of friends Staying And uh, we were coming home about The cops eight, are here <laughs> No 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 About 8 o'clock We were going to be home And so They're good kids We had a call Saying oh when we come home There's something we need to ask you So we could get home Dad A kid across the road's having a party At 14 mm. And we really want to go And I said Yep no worries babe I just need to speak to the parents You know Because you know mm. your Parents got to band together At this age mm. And I go Dad I hate you You, you trust me You trust me <laughs> And I said Babe look My job as a parent Is to be the responsible person I don't know this kid I don't know the party I need to speak to parents Look you, When you go to the party Just go to the parents And say You know Can you just ring my dad she went, <laughs> I, I, I hate you I don't trust you You don't trust me So Turns out the boy was the parents were in Monica. Right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the boy's parents were in Monica. <laughs> and he, they didn't know what was happening. And nowadays with Facebook, yeah. you know, like hundreds of kids. Luckily, the parents found out before the party had happened. Yeah. But it could have been ugly because Tyler was like, Dad, it's not like we drink or anything. I'm like, whatever, we're not stupid. <laughs> like, you know, that you're coming of these age where all these things are going to happen. When I was at high school, there's a guy called Simon Pritchard who was this pommy kid, moved to Christchurch. Like the first week at our school, and I went to a bit of a rough school, good old Hamilton. It's mm. definitely not one of the, the pinnacles of, yeah. of New Zealand education. And uh, so he came to, turned up to school first weekend. His parents didn't even go away. His parents just gone out for dinner or something, coming mm. home late, had a party, 
forty thousand dollars worth of damage was done to his <laughs> really? house. Yeah, no lies, like like holes and walls and everything, yeah. and and you kind of think, oh, this just could be ugly. So <laughs> could be ugly. It's Definitely ugly. ugly. Yeah. So luckily, I was a responsible parent, and the next day I go, oh, apparently I, I should always trust you to. <laughs> <laughs> She just gave me a little bit of a smile. She knew. Yeah. She knew Dad won that one. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, we better wrap it up because the battery's going to run out. I'm Russ. I'm Mendon. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Beautiful. How long's that? Uh, hour and a half. With the